Mr. Robot Season 1, Episode 5, Exploits, is over and has been for a while, but we're just getting started talking about it here on our Mr. Robot Podcast on Post Show Recaps. We are back on Robot Road. Hello, everybody. I'm Josh Wiggler. I'm joined here by a man who always barfs in the sink after we eat lunch together, Antonio Mazzaro. You really want to get that look, that Antonio. Yeah, it could be my nerves, Josh. It could be the withdrawal symptoms. Either way. <laughs> yeah, withdrawal from the podcast. Yes, withdrawal. I mean, I didn't realize at the time, Josh, but I think I might actually be physically addicted to talking to you. I think it's not impossible. Yeah, I got the shakes after, like, while oh you were on God. assignment. We had too long. I was shaking. I felt very cold chills running down my spine. It was really rough. I'm very happy to be getting my fix right now. Let's just put it that way. We are back. We are fixing this deal where we did not have a Mr. Robot podcast for a long while. Life got in the way for both Antonio and I leading into episode four. I have had some work stuff that I have been off doing since that podcast, and we are now just finally starting to get into episode five. I think we are off by a week right now. Is that right, Antonio? Yeah, uh, I think it's just a little bit about just about a week, maybe four, maybe five days. Tiny bump in the road. We will be able to fix that. No Baby problem. Bump. A baby bump in the road. We are still on track to watch all of Mr. Robot season one on our way to the season two premiere of Mr. Robot on July 13, when we will continue recapping the new season of Mr. Robot. If this is your first time joining us on these podcasts, we talk about every episode of Mr. Robot from season one here in a spoiler free context first and then in a spoiler filled context. And there is a great break of music that jams you into the spoiler filled section so you have plenty of time to hop out if you don't want to hear any of that stuff so we will start getting into this in just a second here quick note antonio voting is about to end here on the podcast awards are you aware of this oh i thought you were saying in the democratic primary yes (laughs) yes i heard that was called a week ago closing as well Uh, but but the podcast award voting is wrapping up poster recaps is nominated for two podcast awards the people's choice award and the film and tv award if you are so inclined we would love your votes voting closes on June 12th. Post Show Recaps is nominated in two categories. Podcastawards.com. You vote there. You can vote once per day. They send you a little email to verify your vote. Sometimes that goes to your spam filter. Just hop on in there and verify that email and we will be all set to go. We have some fun stuff on the line. The possible resurrection of Lost Lives, Antonio. That was where you and I, that was kind of our podcasting meet cute. It was. We, We met cute on an island, Josh. It was gorgeous. It was beautiful. It was great. I mean, I think technically we met cute on the Strigoi of it all, of it all, but I don't think that we are really talking about that these days. No, nobody wants us to do that, so we're fine. No one, no one, no one wants us Strigoiing all over the place. No, we got, we got to control yourself, Josh, please. We got to control There ourselves. are people all listening. Right. So let's talk about Mr. Robot. Let's hop into this episode. We are talking about exploits, episode five, and where to begin but with this very bizarre, at least at the time, cold open with Fernando Vera, who I don't think that I certainly when I was watching this for the first time, I was like, I'm never going to see that guy again. What's he doing here? Yeah, I'm surprised you thought you were never going to see him again, because it was a pretty memorable first appearance for Fernando Vera, Josh. If you'll recall, we looked our names up. Uh, Some very important things happened there. Oh, I Uh, recall. Urban Dictionary was very kind to Joshua and Antonio. Yes, uh, girl one or person one and person two. And those those friends, they were really friend one and friend. Haven't heard from girl one and girl two in a while. 
No, we haven't. But they're back. Uh, no, this is a this is a character. I think even at the time where you recognize, well, this guy's doing something very interesting. It would be kind of unique to see this character in a different way. I think you don't necessarily always see these kind of characters in the dimensions that you're seeing Vera in. He has some very metaphysical thoughts, talking about the universe all the time. So the fact that Mr. Robot turns into kind of a police procedural here at the beginning, it's not as shocking to me. I, I'm glad we're seeing Vera again. Strange as that might sound. I'm just disappointed now that you call it a police procedural that there isn't a re-edit of the Mr. Robot opening with Law & Order music. Yeah, that well, that should be done. Hopefully by the time that uh, we, we get episode six recorded, Josh, it will have already been done. Bum, 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 bum. This is the kind of hard-hitting analysis people tune in to post show recaps to hear. <laughs> you don't have another funky bass? There it is. There it is. Yeah. So there we are. No, there this would are. be uh, this would be very interesting. You could have a lot of the a lot of the crossover characters for sure. Okay. Uh, well, there's a thing I want to say that I'm biting my tongue on. Is it uh, a pun? No, it's oh, not. It's that's too kid. bad. It's too bad. Uh, all right. Well, let's let's move on. So Fernando Vera, he is here. He is in jail, and he is going to start piecing together why he's in jail. And can you talk me through exactly what his epiphany is here? Yeah, he's seeing kind of these evidence binders of all his social media activity. If you'll recall, that's how Elliot really kind of found out about what he was doing is Elliot cracked the social media code very quickly, uh, talking about, you know, the, the things that Vera was doing. He was very public with all of his business, including hits. And that's what Elliot ultimately turned over to the police. And so as part of these files, the police have all kinds of evidence. What Vera sees appears to be photo of a vial of drugs. And that makes him think, it seems, of Elliot. Like, oh, yeah, there's that really weird guy uh, who needed the Suboxone, and he's the only guy I ever thought of. We made that connection. His name was Elliot. I remember talking to him, and I took those drugs from him, and then here I am. This happened like three or four days later. So I think I know who tipped me off, and that's the epiphany that he has. Yeah, so he starts to piece it together, and he just like has this really creepy look in his face. like, that's you. That's you. I know you. That's who you are. Yeah, that's that's a pretty good Vera. Sounds a little like Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Vera. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg as Fernando Vera. <laughs> yes. Uh, no. Then yeah, it's great. I mean, this is so creepy. We talk about the title cards coming up on Mister Robot. This is one of the better ones because, and I probably have said that great, every though. time. They're all right? so good. They're all every time. amazing. Yeah. But yeah, Vera's like laughing to himself like maniacally as the title card kind of appears over his face as he's there in jail and the music is swelling. So it's it's a I mean, it's a very unnerving start to this episode and kind of interesting because Vera doesn't really, uh, you know, play a part in the rest of this episode until uh, the very end. Very end, which will yeah. obviously lead us into next week's episode. So we'll talk about that a little bit. But uh, I, I when I get to this episode, when I get to like the Steel Mountain episode, I guess I always forget that, A, it's not a full episode in Steel Mountain. Right. Uh, I always think that it's longer in Steel Mountain, and I always forget that Fernando Vera is at the top of the episode. Uh, but it's a really creepy framing of this episode uh, to have this guy here, and you forget about him as the episode goes along, and as the episode ends, it turns out, big mistake for forgetting about this guy. Yeah, like he's the kind of guy that you kind of don't want to forget is always there. You need to know where Vera is at all times and what he's up to, because it, unfortunately, 
things can happen, as we'll talk about at the end here. But it is an interesting way to start the episode and jump into the title, because the next thing we see is like an episode of Friends, Josh. We're in Central Perk. Uh, oh, please, no. No more themes. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, this is good. We could do this. Uh, somebody, somebody told me that life was going to be this way. Uh, actually, no one told me that. What I would say is you, you start in Central Perk. I don't see Gunther. Uh, and Mr. Robot uh, is executing this kind of ham-handed thing to get them an ID badge. Yeah, he does the bump and run. Yeah, a little bump and run. Uh, oh. You know, he knew, who knew that Mr. Robot would be capable of that? Uh, it's it's certainly a kind of a, in an elegant way to get inside Steel Mountain, but it works. Uh, they're yeah. passing the stone sign. It says impenetrable, Josh. Impenetrable. Yes. Uh, yeah, as they're pen- as they're penetrating. Penit- <laughs> yeah, they're penetrating. <laughs> penetrating, even yes. I don't think they're penitent. Yes, none, none but the penitent man shall pass. No, but they are able to penetrate Steel Mountain or at least get this far. So kind of ironic. I think that it's, you know, it's a great sign of, you know, really a lot of what this show is dealing with is like all these securities, these fake doors that you've built up, you know, these fake walls that you've built up around yourself in terms of, you know, uh, your computer passwords and your securities and everything like that that you think are impenetrable Turns out, not so much. And a lot of that is thanks to a Raspberry Pi, but also because of just straight-up human gaming that we're going to see early on in this Steel Mountain scene. Yeah, I think that hacker culture was originally called social engineering, human gaming, like you're saying, like hacking people rather than systems, because people as people are guaranteed to have vulnerabilities. And that, of course, is a key theme of this episode. And I think it's great to kind of see how this plays out right away from the beginning. And you're right. The the idea of something being impenetrable is kind of funny because the Titanic was unsinkable. Anytime you represent yourself out there as just wholly one thing, there are going to be people who immediately want to take shots at that. And in this case, the shots are pretty easy, at least on the surface level. I mean, the ID badge only gets them in the door, but it, it, it's enough to get them in the door when they don't even need to be there. So it's a, it's a great way to kind of start the hack. There are many levels of a hack that go on throughout this episode. This is a great way to start it. So what's the plan here? Elliot is going to go in and he is just going to be like a different dude. He's just like going to assume this new persona. Is this a persona they're cooking up on the fly or is he pretending to be someone specific? It seems they've cooked it up a little bit in advance because he talks later about Mobley kind of editing Wikipedia and being able to build a page and they show the build of the page and they show him setting everything up. And so he creates a person out of thin air on Wikipedia. That's the number one hit when Bill searches on Google. That's an identity that he's already established. And the plan, of course, is to hack people, as we said, before they hack into the temperature system. The first person they plan to hack is Bill. They see Bill as a vulnerable person, and they can flip Bill into Bill's supervisor. Then they can find another way to hack Bill's supervisor, and then they can get where they need to get within the building. So that really does seem to be the plan from the jump, but it almost immediately goes awry because Bill just really isn't having it right away. Yeah, he's like, uh, I don't know about that. I don't think that I can take you right now. And Elliot is, you know, against the better wishes and better advisement of Mr. Robot, who is in the van and speaking through the earpiece saying, like, you got to go and do this. You got to go and do that. You got to be a man here, Elliot. You got to be a real badass. And Elliot's just like, could you could you please lick me up? And like, Ellie's just not, you know, he's not committing to the sacred pact. He's no. not committing to the sacred pact of gaming this guy, at least not yet. 
Not at all. But what's really fascinating about that, Josh, is Mr. Robot, you're right, is really pushing Elliot in these directions and being the devil on his shoulder, yelling into his earpiece, literally. But what's fascinating about that is Elliot has already said in this episode, if you can hack the right person, all of a sudden you have a powerful piece of malware. People always make the best exploits. And that certainly seems to me like what Mr. Robot has done to Elliot. Mr. Robot has hacked Elliot. He knows Elliot's vulnerabilities, as we've seen already on this series, and he's pressing the dad button left and right. And he knows Elliot hates working at all safe. And he knows all these things about him. And he's using those vulnerabilities of Elliot to kind of effectuate what he does. There's a reason that Elliot uh, is the guy they've targeted, the connection to all safe and all of it. So Elliot really is Mr. Robot's kind of hack that he's already kind of engineered his way into. Uh, And it's really fascinating that this hack is happening between people on multiple levels. Elliot also talks about the vulnerabilities of Mobley and Romero, uh, talks about how Mobley is controlled by his urges. We already saw him munching down on the McDamon, Josh. Uh, Yes. Romero is a know-it-all and a hypochondriac. We hear him complaining about germs. And we hear Mr. Robot's flaw. In Elliot's mind, it's that he's absolutely insane, clinical. Uh, And when people say, if your friends jumped off a bridge, would you? He would just to prove something. Uh, And so this is, Elliot's kind of assessed everyone's vulnerabilities. So Elliot is in his mind also kind of capable of hacking these people. So it's this fascinating kind of thing that's going on where all the characters are relating to each other. Yeah, Elliot also says if Mr. Robot goes in there, he's liable to blow the whole place up. Uh, So keep that guy out of Steel Mountain. If your whole plan here is to do this without blowing people up, Maybe keep Mr. Robot in the van with Mobley and Romero. Is yeah, the, the arrangement is great. The arrangement how it is is, is uh, well-suited for everyone. Yeah, well-suited for everybody. All right, we'll get back to Steel Mountain, but a quick sidebar here where Angela and Ollie are finally breaking up. This is a relief. Yeah, I mean, this is a long time coming. And by a long time, I mean two episodes into the first episode or two two lines of Ollie's into the first episode that needed to happen. So very glad to see it here. I really love Angela. Did you, you know, Ollie says, did you think about how this would affect me? And she says, I did. I, I did. Yeah. I did. <laughs> Stone cold. <laughs> yeah. Total killer move. It's great. Yeah. Savage. Just savage. I love it. Yeah. So sucks to Ollie. That's a bummer. I love that Ollie is also going to call Angela's dad later on and be like, Tell her I'll forgive her. Yeah. Oh, really magnanimous move by that douche. Uh, and I love, I love Angela's dad's response. Like I told him, should have broken up with him a long time ago. Angela's dad is great. Yeah, he's a great dad. He's a great dad. No question great character. about it. Great character. Yeah. Uh, all right. Back into Steel Mountain. Speaking and- of great characters, Josh, can we yes. talk about Bill? Yeah, Bill is a great, great character here. This is heartbreaking stuff. Yeah, it's awful. Like, this is, this is easily the meanest we've seen Elliot be. And we see that he's pushed into this by Mr. Robot, yelling at him in his ear, telling him all these things. And Mr. Robot does, as we're talking about, make it very personal. He essentially hacks Elliot here and preys upon his vulnerabilities and gets Elliot to do the same thing to Bill. But, man, Bill just Bill is just crushed. I mean, I seeing that guy on his Instagram with his cats, Josh, and then oh, seeing him in that. person. Oh, Bill is so sad. Yeah. Uh, do we have do we have the monologue from from Elliot here? Yeah, I think he says, "Think about it, Bill. If you died, would anyone care? Would they, would they really care? Maybe they would cry for a day. But let's be honest, no one would give a shit. The few people that would feel obligated to go to your funeral would probably be annoyed, and they would leave as early as possible. Yikes! That's who you are. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that what he goes on, right? Yeah. Well, he basically says like. 
uh, like look at look at yourself, look it in the mirror, and you'll know I'm telling you the truth. So I need you to call someone that matters because Bill, you don't. Yikes! You don't. Bill's life does not matter. Yeah, Bill. Bill, <laughs> we're not going to hashtag that. Oh that's just man, not, but that's just bad. It. It's just it's just so. Bill lives do matter, Josh. Yeah, it's just so brutal. It's just such a brutal moment where Bill is just like stomaching all of that and weathering that hurricane from Elliot. And even after Elliot barfs that out at Bill, you can see Elliot like turns to him like he wants to apologize. And Mr. Robot's like, nope, don't do that. You, t- you did great. That's what we needed you to do. Yeah, which is interesting because in this scene, there's another moment where they seem to have cameras that they don't have, where they recognize that the second supervisor who shows up is nowhere on the internet. I don't know how they know how she looks, and I don't know how Mr. Robot knew that Elliot was about to apologize. I, th- I think Mr. Robot really knows Elliot very, very, very well uh, because he knows what buttons to push. He knows how to exploit him, and I think he knows in this moment that this is not how Elliot wanted to handle this situation, and that Elliot was going to feel compelled to apologize. I think he's right on because that is exactly what's happening. The only sort of redemption for Bill that I think that you get in this episode is when this different supervisor shows up, the one they did not plan for. And it's like, sorry, you got to go. He's like, but I'm, I'm Sam Sapiel. And she's like, I don't care who you are. You have to leave. I'll walk you out. And Bill kind of gets one last look being like, jerk. Yeah, he gets a little dig in, a little little sad dig. It's the saddest dig ever, but I feel bad for Bill, Josh. I just I feel I'm, awful for Bill. Walk Bill's away from this episode, just so sad. <laughs> yeah. We are all Bill at some point in our lives. Oh, I've been there. I'm I've been Bill. Yep. I've I, been Bill. I am Bill. We are Bill. Bill's a little craven. He's a little craven. He's trying to do the right thing. He the loves sad, cats. He loves cats. The saddest thing about it is they're like they're really exploiting his like insecurity about his job too, because they show his LinkedIn profile and you see that he's only really been in positions for like a year at most. Yeah. And he's probably moved around a lot. So he's so desperate to make any kind of client connection uh, that he's willing to let him in the door to begin with, which is what they knew, why they exploited him. And then the cat thing is so lonely, he doesn't feel like he's worth anything, that that's what they exploit when they need the supervisor so it's just so terrible yeah and you gotta imagine that after this he's probably not holding on to the steel mountain gig for too long yeah something i don't know what you mean by after this like could it be you mean the person breaking into the bathroom and planning a computer on the most secure service uh that is possibly available and that's the guy who let him in the door uh yeah you're probably right well i think even just beyond that i think like even if they didn't find like the raspberry pi or were aware of it or anything like that i think beyond that I think it's, you know, the fact that this guy, Bill, just lets this guy with this, you know, Zuckerberg attitude roll into Steel Mountain unchecked. Um, then, you know, the supervisor who is about to be told, like, it's what we feared. Come to the hospital. The worst Jeez, thing. I know. Terrible. Which is so rough. That yeah, thanks, Mobley. Yeah, Mobley. Mobley's pretty dark as well. <laughs> yes. Um, I think that, you know, that supervisor eventually is going to, like, reach out to her loved one and find out, okay, we just got gamed today. And Bill, I think that you were part of it. Bill, you're fired. Yeah, good point. Good I point. I think that that all all roads lead to Bill getting fired. Good point, and and that uh, that's unfortunate. Uh, and I would, I mean, I I don't know. Bill is kind of the one off character. Unlike Vera, when I see Bill, I'm not like, man, I can't wait to see Bill again. Like he's got to come back into this story. But I don't think I want to see any more Bill because there's just it just seems like it's going to be a sad ending for this guy. Yeah, he's probably eating cat food out of a can <laughs> himself at home right now. Oh no. 
Yeah, I know. It's like uh, like Frank from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, just trying to sleep, you know? <laughs> That's awful. <laughs> what do you, I mean, I'm at the hospital. It's what we always feared. That's so ominous. And like Moby's like, that would register with anybody. I feel, yes. like that's, I feel like that's right. I feel like that's the move. I'm trying to think of like what it would be. It's like, I'm at the hospital. It's what we always feared. Where? What am I thinking? That all the pizza has died. We've lost all the pizza. <laughs> and why are we at the hospital for that? Because we like have a, a hospital filled with dead or dying pizzas filling up the morgue. Oh, you know what? I would probably still eat that pizza. Yeah, it's the last bit of it, probably. So yeah, we had it. an interesting kind of uh, post-show recaps discussion this week with Rob and Mike Bloom on the road to the podcast awards, talking about TV characters that they might eat, that might taste the best in a live scenario. Uh, so maybe Bill would make the list, but I would definitely eat the dead pizza. Only Mike Bloom. Yeah, that's a full bloom. That that's really a full is. Bloom. <laughs> yeah, talking about pe- what people you would eat is full. And he just, Josh, I don't know if you've had the opportunity to listen to this. He's so cavalier how he slides right into it. Like, it's, oh, it's really disturbing, honestly. Full bloom. Full bloom. Not enough people are talking about how disturbing this was. Full bloom. You guys have to go listen to the Road to the Podcast Award podcast. Go to posterrecaps.com slash iTunes and you'll find all of that stuff. And you will understand more about Mike Bloom's cannibalistic tendencies. Yes, but I mean, it's not really that much different than us talking about a morgue full of pizza that we would eat like we're I pretty guess, much off the rails i guess that's here. right i guess yeah. that's right that's kind of where we but are but you're now. right i mean it is i think that that is a, a phrase that would resonate i mean if you texted me that uh, i wouldn't know exactly where my mind would go but if you gave me five minutes i could probably come up with you know things that you had said in the past or uh you know offhanded remarks that i started to worry about let alone a loved one right uh, somebody that you know the very intimate medical history and things that they've had problems with you know they had a nagging pain or something Thing like that. Maybe your husband was a smoker. Uh, you know, it, it, it's just a, it's a, it's a bad deal. It's a, and Mobley says like that, this is his plan. He comes up with on the fly. It's just like, people are people like you're, you're going to be able to, there are commonalities here. And this is the, the level that he sinks to. It's pretty brutal. Very brutal. Um, so Elliot is now free of the supervisor. He is able to wander around a little bit. He's going to have to hack his way into a door. And when he does, lo and behold, it is Tyrell Wellick. It's the Swedish psycho himself is here at Steel Mountain. Yeah, I love that we're calling lockpicking hacking doors because that's what I thought of it as as well. I th- think he just stuck a little like some lockpick in there, picked his way into the hall, and when he emerged, this is no good. Like this, yeah. bad things are really happening. Uh, and I think you, the reaction to the people in the car is great. It's shock because they hear Tyrell Wellick's voice. Like this is awesome. Everyone's like, ah, this is not great. Yeah, great. Like, if, you're, if you were watching live, great moment to cut to commercial. Like, that is a bomb that drops and you have to walk away from it. Yeah, she's like, Elliot. Bonsoir, bon, Elliot. Yeah. Bo- Bonsoir, Bonsoir, Elliot. Bonsoir, Elliot. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this is terrifying. The le- probably among the last people that you want to see in that position. So before we come back to Steel Mountain, we go and check in on Shayla for a hot minute. Shayla, who, as we all know, is one of the former employees of Fernando Vera, is not really in that business anymore now that Fernando is in jail. Uh, she is now working as a waitress. It's her first time working as a waitress. She tells uh, her the person she's shadowing for the day, I used to be in pharmaceutical sales, uh, which is great. And what she blames Obamacare for losing the job. <laughs> yeah, the lady's like, uh, well, what happened? How'd you lose your job? And she's like, you know, uh, Obamacare. <laughs> Incredible. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> Thanks, Obama. Yeah. 
Amazing. For making me work at what appears to be Coyote Ugly. <laughs> yeah, it does kind of look like that. Yeah, or like it's a Roy Rogers Burger sh- Burger Shop. Those were uh, those were big back when I was a yeah, very but that looks tiny like a, child. That, that looks like a pretty big Roy Rogers. That's like a big open air loft. That's like Royd Rogers. That's like <laughs> that's like Roy Rogers really really working out. Yeah, I'm just typing down Roy Rogers. We have to say the hashtag later. Okay, okay, right. perfect. There we, there we go. Yeah, you're right. It is a, it is a giant. Uh, I don't know what it is. The, you're the New York guy, Josh. You can tell me these tourist traps or these restaurants that are around. But that's a, that's a very big cowboy themed one. Shayla doesn't really fit in, but she also has clearly worked in sales. So it seems like it might not be the worst fit. And we find out later she's doing pretty good. All right, so we're back at Steel Mountain. We get a little bit of a look at the welcome video. Elliot is kind of just like probably like not even paying much attention to it so much as just staring off into space being like, how do I get out of this one? This is so awkward. Uh, Tyrell's here. And Tyrell's just like glad-handing people. People? People? The financiers of Hezbollah and ISIS? I guess you're right. Those are people. Yeah. I mean, technically... Yeah, they're, I guess they're, in, in they're the, humanoids, right? In the dictionary definition, but yeah, uh, these are uh, these are not the best people. Uh, interesting that they're there. Interesting that Tyrell knows that that's who they are. Uh, they doesn't seem to be related to anything that happens between Elliot and Tyrell. After who knows ultimately what Tyrell was doing there that day? Uh, if his whole day was meeting with these guys and finding some way to show them where they can securely store their terrifying data. But yeah, this is a, and just a, you know, old hat, old hat for our boy Tyrell here. Just let's totally just, plays it off. Let's just take some stock of Tyrell Welk because he said, you don't know if this is his whole day. We do know if this is his whole day. It's not. This is his right. morning and Fair perhaps point. just Fair a point. slice of his morning. His day yeah. also involves this really uncomfortable lunch with Elliot where Tyrell has no respect for salad makers. Uh, no. For one thing. Really has no. no respect about that. And also has no respect for bathroom privacy. No, absolutely zero respect for the privacy, Josh. Uh, And like, not at all. Like, it's going to blow up spots. And also personal space, also kind of personal facts. Like, he just lays it all out. Zero Fs given by Tyrell Wellick on this That being said, at least he has some manners. Thank you for a lovely evening. Yes, thank you for a lovely evening. Fair we'll point. Get yes, to there. we'll get. We'll Took get his leave at an appropriate time, <laughs> but also showed up at a very inappropriate time. Yes, certainly a very inappropriate place. But we'll yeah. get to there. We'll get we'll to get there. A we'll uh, couple different bathroom scenes with Wellick on this <laughs> yeah, episode. I guess. Yeah, really. Yeah. So this is uh, this is great because I, I mean I do really like that. Uh, immediately, Elliot, you're right. He's kind of staring into space. Does he know why I'm here? Shit, he's going to kill me. Like he's worried about Wellick immediately. And we have uh, you know every right to be we've seen Wellick do some crazy stuff already in the course of this series in limited time I'm thinking mainly about beating up that hobo uh and under the bridge uh and paying him which is an act he apparently does all the time so he's not buying Elliot's cover story I don't think he kind of looks around he's a little questioning kind of what's happening uh and you know, Elliot basically says, sure, I, I, I eat lunch. He's like stammering. He's terrified. I love this. Yeah, it's great. So you are like the rest of us. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And Mr. Robot is in Elliot's ear. He's, he's trying to be the voice of reason. He's saying you can exploit Wellick. He's pointing out that he has his own vulnerabilities. His exploit is hubris. Uh, and Elliot does take advantage of that right away by saying, I don't want to eat in the cafeteria. Is this really where you want to eat lunch? Uh, and he ends up on the level that he needed to be on the whole time uh, by virtue of exploiting Wellick. So I, pretty quick play by Elliot there. 
Very good play by Elliot. He is able to get into the executive the executive lunchroom. Executive, yes. Uh, yes. With a with a thank you Obama pick on the wall. Two Obama shout outs in this episode. Can't be coincidence. Yeah, one right after the other. So this kind of looming uh, looming American presidency, I love that this show is kind of set in the current place and time. They've taken great advantage of that uh, without spoiling what they've done uh, with the promos for season two. Uh, and unlike other TV shows which have fictional presidents, like this show is very much uh, trying to take place in the zeitgeist of today. We already saw that in the first episode mentioning Lance Armstrong and Tom Brady and Bill Cosby. Uh, and having the president right there on the wall is, is a very cool touch. Yeah, very cool touch. And this is where Tyrell Welk really lets it be known that he does not give much of a care about salad makers. Yeah, and he's really talking down uh, at people in general. He basically says, like, this guy's in, what, in his 50s? His life's potential is reached at a 30K salary. He runs through his head, like, the, the what he believes to be the details of this guy's pathetic life. Uh, and he basically says, I couldn't bear that. I couldn't bear that. And again, we've heard kind of already from Mr. Robot that Wellick has exploits. And he's making it pretty clear that one of his greatest fears is to be ordinary, that he couldn't even bear it. Uh, being ordinary, that he has to be extraordinary. Uh, and Elliot's having a hard time listening to this and basically says, I have to go to the bathroom. Yeah, he's like, this is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is so bad that my combination of nerves from being here uh, and you being such a monster are going to make me vomit all over the place. Well, yeah, because two guys in like security outfits have shown up randomly and wordlessly handed Wellick something to sign, which he does. Like Elliot has no idea if he's about to be murdered or given a, a nice entree. Like it is not clear at all what's happening. So yeah, he goes in the bathroom and throws up. Never mind the withdrawals, Josh. This is all a guy last episode who we saw going through what he was going through in the hotel room. So it's not the best position to be this nervous and this anxious and have this dropped on him it's a, it's a really bad deal for Elliot very bad deal for Elliot but you know he's able to you know kind of rebound just a little tiny bit here uh, is able to get into raspberry pi territory yeah, uh, and, and Elliot's kind of questioning whether he should be there. Is he toying with me? Am I his malware, he says. But while he's doing this, looking himself in the, in the mirror, he kind of sees, oh, I can get into this little supply area, and I can set up the Raspberry Pi on the thermostat. And as he's doing that, Wellick comes into the bathroom. Awkward. Ba- like, really, his bathroom timing is just terrible. I mean, I <laughs> guess kind of great also. Like he just knows when to come in at like the worst possible time. Yes, or the best possible time. Two or sides the of the same coin, time. as you're yeah. pointing out. Yes, the yin and the yang. Yes, if you will. Uh, heavy on the yin, I think. Heavy, I'm not heavy say on anything the about the yang. We don't want to talk too much about the yang. We definitely don't. Stay away yada, from the yada, yang. Well, yada yada the yang. Yeah, yeah. Well, yada yada through the yang. But yes. Tyrell Welk, he walks into the bathroom and he just starts dropping bombs. He's just like, "Hey, by the way, I am very much aware that you framed Terry Colby." Uh, yeah, challenge you know, beast. I know, I know about your dad. I know that he worked at Evil Corp before he died. That's on the record. I'm not turning you in. I don't have proof. And even if I did, I don't care. I just wanted to know what your weakness is. Revenge. How ordinary. Like our waiter. But even extraordinary people, and I believe you are, are driven by human banalities. And unfortunately, we're all human. Except for me, of course. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then he sort of laughs it off like, oh, I'm joking. It's, oh, uh, just joking. Just joking. Yeah, LOL, just joking. JK. Yeah, Enjoy yeah. your drive back home. R-O-F-L. I'll be in the chopper. Yeah. R-O-F-L, L-M-A-O copter, raffle copter. Raffle copter. I'll be in the raffle copter. I'll be in the raffle copter heading back to New York. You just take care, Elliot. Yeah, Elliot O-L. Yeah, that's a terrible joke. Someone's got to tell Tyrell he has to work on his sense of humor. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not sure. Is he Swedish? I'm not sure. Well, he may not be known for his sense of humor. Like, wow, it's just is not that something... just a blanket attack against the Swedish sense of humor? I don't. Well, I mean, who's your favorite Swedish comedian, Josh? I don't like comedians at all. Anders Holmes. I think he's Norwegian. Uh, okay. I don't know if he's in. And yeah, you don't like comedians at all? Yeah. What happened? It's something terrible. Something terrible that a comedian like kill a relative of yours? A comedian mishandled my salad once. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> that is highly likely, by the way, that that happened. I'm yeah. not I'm not going to full Colton on this one, but that is highly likely that we that don't happened. have to worry about it. We don't have to yeah. worry about it. But anyway, yeah, this is. I mean, this is a great scene. It's just a great scene because, as I've said, uh, Elliot has kind of taken advantage of Wellick's vulnerabilities. He's exploited Wellick to an extent, and here comes Wellick without really knowing that that side of the conversation was going on, or that Elliot was thinking about those things and saying, "I wanted to know your weakness. I wanted to know your exploit." And now I found it. It's that you are revenge oriented, and I think this is fascinating because uh, of just the connections between everything that's happening. Uh, Tyrell does mention the waiter uh, and that the waiter is ordinary uh, and that he can't, he couldn't stand to be like that. So it sounds to me like he's basically by transitive property saying he couldn't stand to be someone motivated by something so petty as revenge. Right. But his motivations are pretty petty. They're just personal success. I mean, that to me is, is every bit as self-centered and focused and emotional as revenge as a motive. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so, I mean, without realizing it, I think Tyrell is just as ordinary as anyone else whose primary motivation is hubris or success. I mean, he is a very, I, the, the word that's used these days, Josh, is basic, and he's a very basic person to understand on that level. How he gets to that level, how that manifests, incredibly, incredibly complex. But how he ultimately is as a person, he's motivated by very basic needs and basic motivations, and he's as easy to read as Elliot is. So I think it's fascinating that they meet in the bathroom like this great shots i think too of the mirrors that are involved in this beautiful scene, yeah including one of wellick where it's just wellick and he's kind of out of focus and fuzzy and you realize you're seeing wellick in the mirror and that's why it looks like that just yeah great. i was wondering about that shot uh because he, he does he just like looks really off yeah. Uh, and that's just a shot in the mirror. That's great. Yeah. You're just looking into the mirror. And so there's a lot of these great things with, like, as I said, the literal mirror that's happening uh, as they're looking into the mirror in the bathroom. And then a lot of the mirroring between the characters that's going on where they're both talking about each other's exploits, but maybe not on the same level. Uh, and they're both kind of taking advantage of each other or looking to take advantage of each other or letting each other know in some way. Uh, although Elliot's much better at it, which is surprising because it seems like Wellick is more of the social animal. Uh, at, at Elliot seems to be much better about keeping his cards close to the vest. Uh, and even though Wellick can kind of guess at the revenge mo- model, he can't guess that he's being exploited by Elliot. So I think it's great. It's just a great scene. Well, what's also great about it, too, you know, just thinking about this idea of, you know, Tyrell saying like, oh, it's so ordinary that you're driven by revenge. I can't stand that. Um, you know, I think that there's something to that. And like people are complicated. You hear that a lot, and you think about that, and that seems pretty obvious that people are complicated. You don't know everybody's full story. You don't know what everybody is really after. You don't know where everybody really came from. But probably at the core, what drives just about everybody 
is fairly basic. You know, there, yes. there are very basic building block motivations for people. Um, you know, generally, what? you know, just like across the board, we are flesh and blood. We are, you know, we all breathe. We all drink water. We all have these basic needs that those themselves are very complicated in the way that they work. So it's really, you know, it's great. You know, this is a show about systems and unraveling systems and drilling deep into systems and how you can completely torch something incredibly complicated in a very basic way. And yet your very basic way itself is very complicated. Right. It's just, it's just all it's, you know, we talk about the robot hole a lot and you could really trip down there. And I think that that's very representative of just life, man. Yeah, because like what is Wellick's ego or hubris but a human banality, which is the same thing that he looks down on? Uh, and what is this whole thing about? You talk about the complex systems that people are trying to hack. In this episode, entitled Exploits, we find that humans are easiest to exploit through these very basic things. And that ultimately, you can, you can talk about the complexity of a computer hack, like you're saying, and you can talk about how all of that executing it is very complicated. But as Elliot's pointing out, the best hacks, the, the best vulnerabilities, the best exploits come from these very basic human things, the things that Ty- Tyrell calls human banalities. In the case of Bill, uh, we talked about how it was ultimately his insecurity, his loneliness, his fear of losing his job, very basic, quote unquote, human banalities that Elliot exploits. Same thing with the supervisor, the very basic fear that you feel when a spouse goes into the hospital. Elliot's exploiting the very basic part of Tyrell, Tyrell with uh, Elliot. So this is all really awesome stuff. Uh, And it's very layered, as you said, robot hole indeed. Uh, And then you throw mirrors into the mix, Josh. We're just heaping metaphor on top of metaphor. So he is able to complete the hack. Elliot is able to fix up the Raspberry Pi. So, hey, look at that. Mission accomplished. Right. It's done. This is it. The world changed. It's perfect. Slam dunk. Everything was fine. The debt was erased and everyone lived happily ever after because of this one move right here, right now. Yeah. I have a question. Is this the best five episodes, single season of a TV show ever? Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Five, five be, episodes. Right? I just, you know, just beginning to end. Like it was it told a concise story. It's beautiful. I mean, I'm surprised that we decided to podcast about it so deeply, but yeah, yeah. no, this is a, this, of course, What's nothing also great is over. Is that this, you know, this final episode Yes, the finale. Yeah, with, you know, still like a half hour on the clock and like that 30 minutes is just blank space. Yeah, they really only had four and a half episodes, now that I think about it, uh, to really tell their story. So I'm, I'm proud of them for not really trying to monetize no, it. No, stop it. Yeah, Just no. kidding. LOL, JK, Rafflecopter. Rafflecopter. Obviously, he's successful in the moment, but there's going to be a problem. And as we see from Darlene is going to find out that maybe this Dark Army thing, uh, this partnership that they really needed to work with the Dark Army in order to pull this off, isn't exactly going to go through. Yeah, and it's crazy because, again, this seems to be a human thing. And we don't know uh, in, in the moment exactly what the problem is. When Darlene is in the IRC system talking to the Dark Army, they quote and they say there's a proverb, to build it took 100 years. And then it says to destroy it. And that's all it really says. Darlene says, yeah, let's destroy it. They, and then she doesn't, they say, you don't understand what we're talking about. But there's clearly been some issue with the Dark Army and Darlene. And it does not seem to be related to Turtle uh, because 
when Darlene meets him later in the episode, he basically says like, this was dead before you guys ever went to steel mountain. It didn't matter that you succeeded. I don't know why it was, uh, but this, this was, this was dead from the jump. And so we don't know exactly what happened here, but something went wrong with the back end of this. And this is important, Josh, just to kind of cover it again. Um, the data that E Corp is keeping offsite, the offsite data is at steel mountain. However, there is also offsite data backups uh, in China. Uh, and the reason they want to do this now at the Steel Mountain facility is this is the only copy of it in the U.S. After about a week from, from the time this is happening, or in a couple days even, they're going to ship off backups to five, four other cities. And right. so then they're going to have to do this hack four other times and then to not have China come through. So to get rid of all the data right now, you take down Steel Mountain right now, you take out China, and you're good. You wait even a week, it's a much different problem. Yeah, so this sucks if if the Dark Army is not going to go through, which, as we see, they're not really into it right now. Yeah, and we don't, as I said, we don't know why. Uh, clearly, this is some story going to continue to be told here. Uh, this is kind of, if you'll recall, the Dark Army are the people that got Angela to set up the hack. Uh, that was the connection with Turtle, that he was the kind of guy on the street and all yes. of this. So this <laughs> is all for, happening. Thank you for coming around, by the way. Yes, no problem. So here we are. Oh, to the to the consistent Turtle. Yeah, it's just yeah. joining my entourage and calling this guy Turtle. Well, we're gonna if you want to find other characters here, uh, I you know we could find Johnny Drama at some point. <laughs> I'm I think. sure and we could find E as well, Vinny Chase. They're all here, I bet. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, we don't want any E right now. We just got off of uh, some bad stuff. Yeah. Uh, good point. But, good point. <laughs> but the, you know, just to skip around a little bit, you know, Darlene is going to confront Turtle in the library, and he's like, I don't know why they pulled out, but they were out before you got to Steel Mountain. So everything yeah. that we saw in Steel Mountain, unfortunately, was for nothing. Yeah, uh, or at least in this moment for nothing. And it's certainly, I mean, the, the, the hack is still there. The exploit is still there. But as I said, the problem becomes that after today, basically, the data is going to be in four other locations. And so just because you've got a computer in one location doesn't mean you're going to be able to take out anything other than that one location. So this is really unfortunate in the moment. They do still have the computer there. Who knows whether they can exploit that or if someone will find it or whatever. But the hack is not going to go through without the Dark Army. And that as we'll talk about, becomes a real point of contention in this episode. Can we talk about the the Tyrell Wellick dinner party? We have to. Can we just talk it all the way through? Let's. It, you know, we we start off with Wellick and Joanna. They're in the car. They're gonna go. Joanna's not really sure how she's gonna handle uh, the wife of Scott Knowles, who is the guy who is being groomed to be the new CTO of Evil Corp. CTO. The CTO. So they're yes. like gonna go over and like, what's their plan? What is exactly Tyrell and Joanna's plan here? Like, how are the Wellicks planning on destroying this situation? Because I'm confused about the tactics. Well, Joanna seems to be very sure about the tactics because Joanna is saying in the car, like, even if they're content or don't want anything, they will. You have to take something away that they already have to make them want something. And so she's basically saying, we just have to find their exploit. I mean, that's ultimately what she's saying is that they're people, they're going to have needs, they're going to have things they want. Even if they're content, they're going to have something that they can exploit. And if they don't, we'll make them have something. We'll take something away from them and make them want it. And then we'll find find out how to abuse that. Okay. So she's, she's really just looking for leverage. She's so, looking for an exploit. So this is starting to make sense. So Wellick is going into the bathroom to steal uh, the toilet paper. 
Yes, that's exactly because he knows they're going to want it, even if they don't want it right now. Yeah, but Sharon Knowles is really going to need that at one point, and yes. <laughs> Tyrell Wellick will be the only person who can give the Knowles family toilet paper. Yep, that's that's exactly right. That's why he goes in there. It's not. It's an exploit, not a sexploit. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yep. he's he's you pitching it. Him, he's pitching podcast him, over. He's pitching himself to <laughs> to Scott Knowles as I will be your right hand man. You need no. a right hand man, and Scott no. Knowles is like, oh yeah, okay. Uh, why should I trust you? Uh, if you were me, would you trust me? Would you would you trust you? And he says, if I were you, I wouldn't have even let me in the house. Yikes. That's not a great sales pitch. <laughs> not at all, is it? It's like, yeah, I am a vampire. I'm a wolf. If I were you, I wouldn't have opened the door. Like, jeez, mm-hmm. how you're not going to catch any flies with that? That's for sure. Sure do hope you have some silver bullets in here because man you're gonna need them yeah because when i get away with that toilet paper there's gonna be no stopping me <laughs> yeah yeah so this is uh i mean this is really just a uh, this is the, off to a smashing start we've got the the pleasantries not being exchanged here between scott knowles and tyrell and they both kind of know each other is not necessarily the person that they really want to interact with at this point i love joanna uh just like chugging the wine yeah, uh, while Scott Knowles turns his back and Elliot, yeah, this is yeah, this, she's just chugging away. You know, we've we've been super talk- pregs. Yes, yeah, super pregs. We, you know, we certainly know from uh, the big episode three Tyrell stuff earlier that that's a guy who will do whatever he needs to do to get what he wants. And we had a similar idea with Joanna that she was probably at least like on message, if not exactly willing to go that far. In this moment, she is committed to doing whatever it is that they need to do to, you know, unseat Scott Knowles or to make him want something. Um, But to get through the night, Joanna is willing to just, like, pound secret red wines uh, while pregnant, which makes you wonder, like, is the pregnancy just a prop? Like, is, right. is, is everything a prop to these people? It's just, you know, it's the little touches like that on Mr. Robot that make this such a great show. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant stuff. And, and it's hard to say exactly where that comes into the mix, whether that's something the actress brings to the table, whether that's something the director suggested, whether it was written right into the script. Uh, that's something I would really be interested to know because that is, a you're right, a killer detail. Uh, and really, this is a character uh, who, to this point in the season, as you're saying, we've seen little details of. She wants to be tied up and have these bad things happen to her. Uh, she's or, or seemingly bad considering the fact that she's pregnant. And Bellick is saying, no, you can't really do it. And she's like, yeah, I, I, I want you to do this. I know what I can do and I know what I can't. Uh, and so she's kind of always been in the background pushing. There's a, a, an even better moment in this episode of Joanna Wellick. I think it's in this episode. It might be in next episode. I think it's in next episode. But we're going to get some really great Joanna Wellick, obviously, going forward. She's great. Great character. Great character. Yeah. I don't think it's a spoiler to say that Joanna Wellick is a great character. And you might have a little more. Uh, you might have a few more great moments with this character at the very least. Yeah, yeah. And and just this is this this wine thing is the tip of the iceberg. Oh, it's so great. How about this line from Tyrell to Scott's wife? What does he say? He's like, How do you not blow your <laughs> then he starts it out even better? He's just like, Sharon? And Sharon's like, Yeah. He's like, How do you not blow your brains out being married to him? Uh like just unbelievable the audacity yeah. on Tyrell yeah. You're a guest in our house, Tyrell. He's like, Yeah, a very honest one. <laughs> she said, well, I'm going to assume that, you know, it was a bad joke. And I, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go to the restroom. You know, and, and she's, she's like, gone. okay, cool. And if you'll excuse me, I'll be there in an inappropriate five seconds. <laughs> oh, dear me, Josh, dear me. 
This oh is my. Oh, oh my. my. <laughs> yes. There's direct peeing going on here. Sharon Knowles is <laughs> direct peeing. Uh, not an yeah. indirect. This is a direct. And uh, she says, Get, you know, I'm in here. And then he walks in. Can I help you? She says, which I got to say, probably not. I would probably say, get out of here. Yeah. Go. Yeah, leave. I don't want you in here while I'm peeing. These leave. are the things a person would say. Yet she says, can I help you? That is what she says. Ever, it, the, glo- ever the gracious host, Miss Wellick. Yeah, and he stands in front of her. Or not Miss Wellick, Miss Knowles. She goes basic instinct. Yeah, yeah, he, just basic human instinct, as you're saying. Yep, he, that's what you mean. He thanks her for a lovely evening, and then he leaves. Yeah. Well, he knows what's up. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, this is bad. This is uh, bad or good, I guess, depending. Uh, something happened. Let's just put it that way. Something happened, Josh. Yeah, there was a moment, and what exactly that moment was, TBD, but a bizarre thing that has happened on all of our television screens just occurred. <laughs> Very bizarre. This is not the kind of thing that you see on TV shows, by and large. Uh, not only the direct P, but also <laughs> just the someone interrupting the DP uh, and this oh. happening. So, The direct P, the direct P. Indeed. Stop indeed, laughing. Indeed. Uh, all right. So that's the whole Wellick dinner party, which is just one of the strangest scenes in Mr. Robot for me. Yeah, me too. And uh, honestly, I, it's, it's an awesome show where all the great F Society stuff can exist, but also all the great Tyrell Wellick stuff can exist. And Joanna Wellick as well, the Wellick family, if you will. Uh, just knowing that this is a show that contains both of those things uh, tells me that it's a show that contains multitudes because so much is screwed up between the Wellicks. And we're really only scratching at the surface, whether it's Joanna taking the swig of wine with the back turned, whether it's Tyrell walking in knowing what's happening and then saying thank you and walking out uh not taking further action like these people are very complicated and i love it very complicated all right before we get back to elliot let's just quickly talk through the angela story she moved out on ollie she's moving back home to jersey with her dad her dad is awesome as established thinks that ollie's a douche so you know that he's on the level he's gonna cook her pancakes probably like in the middle of the day uh, good stuff. Wants to give her guy. a loan, French toast, all of it. The whole nine right, is right. great. Yeah. Solid guy. But we're going to find out some information about him. Can you clarify a little bit about what Angela finds out about her dad here in uh, toward the end of this episode? Yeah, Elliot's in the middle of a voiceover at this point and talking about changing the world, and, and he uses the metaphor of a, sand, a, a shoe full of sand. And we'll get, we'll get into that more as we get into the Elliot connection of that. But as he's delivering this monologue, we see Angela kind of going through her father's papers and sees papers there's papers hidden. She's looking through them and it becomes clear at that point that her father is in a lot of debt. It's not a hundred percent clear, but if you freeze frame it and you look at these sorts of things, there's a lot of medical bills. There's a lot of unpaid evil corp debt. So this is exactly what's happening is Angela's discovering that her dad's not really being on the level about the financial trouble that he's in. Yeah, not great. So TBD on that, that seems to be the start of a story. Yep, it sure does. Um, all right, so let's get back to Elliot. He's going to get a phone call from Shayla. It's a nice phone call. The relationship seems to be going well. Shayla's first day at work is going okay. Elliot's doing really well. He's like, I did what I needed to do tonight. So things seem to be going pretty good between these two. Pretty, pretty good. Elliot actually smiles, which is one of the few times he smiles in this whole series. And certainly one of the only few times we've seen him smile up to this point. I so mean, he's, he smiles sometimes, but it's like sarcastically. Or yeah, this is actual seems to be actual happiness here. Right. Yeah. So it's good. 
for yeah, now. He, he <laughs> says he's good and he seems good. He's off the dope. He's out of that hole. He's gotten the hack executed. That Romero uh, juice really did the trick. The Romero juice really did the trick, Josh. I don't know why that's not being marketed right now, but because there's a, a burgeoning problem with these things. Uh, but yeah, no, no Romero juice, uh, generally speaking. Maybe they need to remake the Romero movie and then they can put the Romero juice back on the market. <laughs> yeah, George A. Romero juice. Yes, good call. Exactly. There's some. There'll be some dead who are now living. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, this is all going great for Elliot. Uh, Steal my sunshine should be playing, Josh. But un- <laughs> but yeah. unfortunately, uh, as we get back to F Society headquarters, we realize that it's not all great. That's where Darlene kind of talks about how the Dark Army didn't come through. Dark Army did not come through, and guess who's not happy about that. Mr. Robot. Yeah, Mr. Robot is mad. He's like throwing crap. He's, you know, breaking stuff. And Darlene's like, let's just do it. We'll just do it anyway. And Mr. Robot's like, no, that's not, it's not going to make sense. We don't want to hurt him. We want to kill him. And we're not going to be able to do that anymore. Yeah, uh, and, and I mean, this is contrasted. We, we saw Elliot answered the call from Shayla earlier, and they were yeah. doing great. Uh, Elliot gets a call from Shayla at this point, totally ignores it. Like, this is a scary scene that's going on, and the happiness of that previous call is just straight up ignored at this point. Ignored, and it really comes down to Elliot. Mr. Robot says, does anyone know how to communicate with this woman? And he walks away from Darlene, and Elliot steps up, and Darlene's like, please tell me it's okay to execute. And he's like, nah. But we'll figure it out. It's not going to happen tonight. And that's a bummer because that was two solid episodes of work. Yeah, and uh, and it isn't even it isn't even like it's funny that Elliot's not taking it more difficult because he seems to be the voice of reason with Darlene here. As you said, Mr. Robot has torn the room up, uh, and then without kind of hesitation, after Mr. Robot asking anybody talk to her, Elliot does walk over and doesn't even really talk. It's almost all nonverbal. He sort of sadly shakes his head, uh, and it's just a basic no. And she does accept it from Elliot. She closes the laptop up. Uh, Mobley and Romero go back to work. So Elliot manages to diffuse the situation which is uh, interesting because we see him essentially playing good cop and Elliot is not the guy he, he's not the most emotional kind right. of a caring person and he's he's the guy who's able to take the wind out of this scene I think is cool it's definitely cool it sucks for these people uh Elliot says Darlene you can crash with me right but- again stark contrast to before when he didn't want her anywhere near his apartment right so he's you know definitely being a pretty chill guy right now uh Things at his place are not going to be so chill. No, they're not. Uh, and this is, uh, this is a very difficult thing because he, get, he Elliot starts to deliver the monologue, uh, and we, we kind of see this all play out. And Elliot talks about how one day his dad picked him up from school, and they went to the beach, and it was so cold they had to sit on a blanket and eat pizza. Uh, And that when he got back home as a little six-year-old boy, he dumped the sand from his shoe onto his bedroom floor. And he didn't know the difference. Uh, His mom was super upset. We've already seen shots of his mom uh, really being just totally abusive uh, to him. Uh, And so this is yet again another reference to his mother being the problem. Uh, And here we have Elliot basically saying his dad came in and swept uh, swept him off his feet and, you know, kind of said I wasn't mad, that every day we changed the world. And then Elliot said that was nice until I thought about how many days it would take to bring enough shoefuls home until there was no beach, until it made a difference to everyone. Every day we change the world, but to change the world in a way that means anything takes more time than people have. It's slow, methodical, and exhausting, and we don't all have the stomach for it. It's a really, you know, brutal 
you know, truly grainy, granular way of looking ah, at yes. change. Yes. Uh, it's, you know, there's a, in another show, there's another show that's on TV right now called Preacher. And yeah. it's, it's based on a comic book by Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon. And there is a character in that comic, without going too far down that well, who is uh, told to count the grains of sand on a beach uh, and not to stop until he's finished. Uh, and it takes a long, long, long time, but that man is able to accomplish that work. But it takes, like, dozens and dozens and dozens of issues that's probably never going to make its way onto the show uh but it reminds me of that idea of like basically what elliot is describing is something that sounds impossible and for many people if not most people probably is impossible but for him when he's saying we don't all have the stomach for it it makes you wonder is he the guy who does have the stomach for it? Is he the guy who can count every grain of sand on the beach? Can he bring shoefuls of sand to his bedroom every single day and change the world? And I think that that's one of the big questions of Mr. Robot. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that the metaphor works really well on that level. Uh, and I think it also works just because it's it's about water and sand and how sand represents physical erosion and change and how sand can be changed over time into other things and sand can be made into glass with heat uh, and how that sand builds up over time. It isn't something that just appeared one day. Uh, and so this is all really fascinating stuff. And you're right, a really kind of interesting way to look at change, especially in the context of a show where they're trying to bring out immediate change in, in this episode, in one day, ultimately. That when, in one fell swoop, they're ha- they'll have moved not only the beach, but the ocean and the mountains. Yeah. Uh, and literally the steel mountains brought them down. So this is something that they're trying to accomplish overnight. And Elliot has kind of accepted, it seems like, a different view on this. Uh, and that's really why the monologue comes out, that the change has to, has to be granular, as you're saying. Uh, but also big things can happen. And unfortunately, as you kind of alluded to, Something bad has happened with Shayla. Elliot gets back home with Darlene, uh, and Elliot op- his door is open already. Flipper is barking. There's a cell phone ringing. Shayla's supposed is- to be looking after Flipper. Shayla's supposed to be looking after Flipper. Vera is on the cell phone, and he says, sometimes the universe aligns perfectly. Here I am locked away, and it still brings you right to me. Uh, and then you start to wonder, oh, no, where is Shayla? Yeah. Yeah, yeah wh- where is Shayla indeed? And, and what about that call that Elliot ignored? Yeah, it sucks. Bad choice. <laughs> Tough choice. <laughs> Who knows what that call was right. uh, and whether we'll find out. But this is this is very bad stuff. Uh, very, this is not a good way to end an episode. Not a great way to end an episode. But, uh, I mean, for Elliot. But for us, very intriguing, very enticing. Don't think it's much of a leap to say that the next episode is going to follow down this thread quite a bit so we'll start to get into a little bit of what's going on here or a lot of bit of what's going on here very excited to start digging into episode six complicated episode coming up for everybody who's watching this on the first shot and also an episode that i think people are really going to want to dig into in a spoiler filled way as well once we get there uh and we'll even talk about some of that stuff i'm sure in the spoiler filled section yes. that we are about to hop into yeah. it's one of the episode six one of the two or three i think most unique episodes of mr robot yeah turning point i would say Yep, for sure. 
All right. Anything else about this episode that you want to talk through in a spoiler-free way, or should we hop into the spoiler zone? Only one more thing, and I'll say we we kind of tracked this out a little bit, but the episode doesn't end with the Shayla uh, is missing of it all. It actually ends with the shot of Angela, who's out for a run after discovering her father's financial ruin, and she comes to a literal fork in the road, Josh. Mm Mm-hmm. Indeed. So this is a character that's been on an interesting path. As we talked about, uh, she originally wanted everything to work out at all safe. She was very invested in that. By the time the hat goes down with Ollie, she's willing to burn Ollie at all safe and possibly burn all safe in order to protect herself and her father. And when we get to this episode, we meet her father, see what a great guy he is. And then we see through Angela's looking that maybe not, uh, maybe is not all as it seems with, with this father. Like maybe, Maybe everything is not as it seems, and Angela might be pretty let down by that. And so by the end of the episode, she's at a fork in the road. And I think we should question exactly where she's going to go with that fork and what that represents. Uh, but that's something that after the end of this episode, I think we should be thinking about as we go into the next one for All sure. All right. Well, let's stick a fork in the road, and let's, <laughs> let's stick a fork in the hashtag Royd Rogers is where you want to yes, go with that? Royd Rogers, roast beast. We've got it. Okay. So how about that? Hashtag Royd Rogers. If you made it to the end of the spoiler-free section, we are now about to dive into the spoiler filled before we go there if you are not subscribed already please do so postshowrecaps.com slash mr robot itunes we would appreciate any reviews you want to leave any star ratings you want to give all of that stuff is greatly appreciated we will be back in just a second talking about this episode from a spoiler filled perspective do not listen any further unless you have watched the first season of mr robot And we are back now here in the spoiler-filled section of our Mr. Robot podcast talking about episode five, Exploits. Spoiler alert, this is where the spoilers happen. Any spoilers you'd like to give right off the bat, Antonio? I know this is one of your favorite parts. You, how about you give me one, Josh? Um, the, uh, the, the, the thing happens. Oh, no, every, really? And everyone is crushed by it. I got a spoiler for you. Everyone's upset they about blow it. blow up the Death Star. Oh, that does happen. That does happen, too. Yeah. <laughs> I preferred it when the thing happened. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, I got it. Anyway, so things are happening now. We're talking about exploits from the spoiler perspective. Get out of here if you don't mean to be here. Now we're just going to dive right into it. Where do you want to start here? I mean, this has been an episode you and I have been really excited to get into about the Tyrell Wellick stuff. Um, You know, Elliot's first conversation with Tyrell since episode two, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is, uh, I think that you have to talk about the Elliot, uh, Elliot and Wellick kind of relationship. It, the first Elliot voiceover on the episode is him talking about how people always make the best exploits. And I think you have to ask yourself, 
at what level was Elliot planning to meet Tyrell in this in this Steel Mountain? How much of this was a surprise? Uh, was this was Tyrell always an exploit that he had in play? Was this truly luck, or is there some kind of greater thing going on? As we've talked about, and as has been pretty well detailed on Reddit, where Elliot and Tyrell may have met each other before this, and thinking of Tyrell as Elliot's exploit, I think makes this fantastic because we know ultimately how the hack goes down or seems to have gone down by the end of the season and Wellick is intimately involved in that and so to know that and to know that Elliot is saying this in that episode I think is really cool so we've been wondering how far back do Elliot and Tyrell go right does Tyrell you know does Tyrell know Elliot from before the start of the series do they get to know each other more as the series goes on he clearly knows the Mr. Robot personality of Elliot pretty well, or at least on a conversational level. Um, Does this illuminate things for you in terms of does Tyrell really know Elliot before the show begins? Well, it's interesting because Elliot or Tyrell does have the bathroom speech where he's talking to Elliot about wanting to know what his vulnerability was, wanting to know what his exploit is. He knows about Elliot's dad. He knows in that moment that Elliot probably got Terry Colby fired, and he's been thinking about this. So that's the surface stuff that we know he knows. But we also, if we're reading into it, we know that he doesn't know enough about Elliot that this isn't. This is the first time he said it to him. This is the re, the re, you know the revelation of these facts that Tyrell knows. This is the first. Right time he said this to Elliot and that's the way it's presented on the show so they don't know each other well enough that this has not come out before that if they knew each other really well if they were BFF for a while I feel like Wellick wouldn't just be recognizing this uh, yeah. and so when because like when he saw him with Terry Colby's file like he may have started formulating this idea but he always would have said like why if in a world where Elliot has approached Tyrell before any of that goes down Tyrell's probably asking himself why is this guy approaching me and when he finds out that his dad was killed by E Corp then he probably knows right away that revenge is his motive so they they don't know each other well enough that 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 conversation's gone down before right I think that you know a business part partnership could absolutely still exist. But I think if you're looking for like Tyrell and Elliot are secretly brothers or cousins twice removed. Right. I, I don't think that you're getting that. I think of like they're best friends from childhood. They went to MIT together or something like that. Right, right. I don't think that you're getting that. I right. think I think that you could absolutely still have Elliot approached Tyrell as Mr. Robot approached Tyrell before the series began. They've been in cahoots about this. Uh, or, you know, they, they got in league with each other at some point early on in the show. But I think that it's a we need each other. We're exploiting each other to exploit something else. Um, and this is Tyrell now looking at this guy he views as extraordinary and saying, I know this thing about you. Just FYI, I just sized you up. And I just got the measure of you, and I'm just reporting to you what I see. And it does sound like this is the first time he is letting this be known to Elliot. Yeah, and what's weird about that is, so let's say we live in a world where, in a world where Elliot has done this. Like, let's say we live in a world where Elliot has approached Tyrell and said, you know what? Like, you want to be CTO? I can help you take down the CTO. Let's set this up where we frame Terry Colby for this crime. Like, let's say Elliot made the approach to Tyrell. At that point, Tyrell maybe doesn't have enough 
enough info on Elliot to find this out. I, I don't know, but he's not really realizing this until the day they meet in Steel Mountain, uh, or he's just not choosing to tell him until that point. And that's the other possibility is that uh, Wellick has kept this close to the vest, but at this point he's feeling confident. Uh, he feels like he's got Elliot by you know by the the short hairs, if you will, and that something is ultimately happening that he's in control of enough that he can out himself as somebody who recognizes Elliot's weakness. It's not always the best idea to let somebody know you recognize their weakness, especially if you're kind of a manipulator like Tyrell, where you might want to use that against him. We also know from Tyrell Wellick that he doesn't always make great decisions. That's exactly right. As we're definitely going to see in the near future. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. And as we're definitely going to see in the very near future, in a couple of different ways, there are bad decisions left and right. Yeah, we've already started to see as of this episode. Right, right, with the bathroom. Like, that is uh, an interesting choice that was made. Um, So there are these things that are happening. I just, I don't know what the relationship is. I think it's fascinating to think about that, the fact that Elliot may have approached Tyrell. Because if you look at Elliot basically saying, if you can hack the right person, all of a sudden you have a powerful piece of malware. Uh, knowing that Tyrell is instrumental to the hack at the end of the day when it's all said and done, was that what Elliot kind of planned from the jump? Did Elliot target Tyrell? I, I would love to see some flashbacks in season two to find out if Elliot as Mr. Robot, as that kind of persona, the head of F society, targeted Tyrell and recognized that weakness somehow. Whether it was in some passing meeting or he saw him on TV or something, Gave him the idea that Tyrell was the exploit he needed to find his way into uh, Evil Corp in a, in, a, in a way that could really bring them down. So I think that that's all fascinating. And what's really fascinating about it is we haven't seen Elliot be the smoothest guy socially. In the, on the, in the Dexter way, he kind of knows what people need to hear. Uh, but we haven't seen him be the smoothest guy socially. And yet he's talking about how you really can manipulate people based on their vulnerabilities. And that seems to be the kind of thing that a really smooth operator would do and so we haven't seen that's the mr robot persona that we haven't seen a ton on the show as elliot but to think about elliot being that's really fascinating to me i was i was also wondering about tyrell's comment on the waiter um and you know he's really giving that waiter a terrible time he's like the waiter he's in his 50s what does he think of himself his life's potential is reached at a 30k salary he owes money on his car he probably shops with coupons lives in a small apartment he has the life of an ordinary cockroach and his biggest value is to serve me salad i couldn't bear it um and on first glance i think that that's a harsh 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 takedown of this man that right. has served him salad at lunch every single Bill day. Bill Ask takedown. Yeah. But is there something deeper there? Um, is it referring at all to possible past circumstances for Tyrell, a guy who has really built himself up and has worked incredibly hard to become uh, or to hopefully become the youngest CTO in Evil Corp history? Like, is he is he referring to anything from his past at all? Is there any sort of a gentler way of looking at this, knowing that he is potentially in league with Elliot here to take down E-Corp and to erase debt and to do all of this stuff when Tyrell, by all other accounts, seems to be very much a material man. Um, what, you know, what possible explanation is there for this line that he is giving about the waiter? Well, it's fascinating because the, the whole scene starts after Elliot has, you know, falsely turned his nose up at the cafeteria in, in, by means of getting to the other room, the executive lunchroom. 
And that's where Wellick basically starts by saying, like, hey, we're the same. We're perfectionist. Like, we could never be like this guy. Uh, and then uh, Wellick really tears into him. There's a couple of things. First, you talked about how at our core, you can talk about very complex things that happen in life. But at our core, it comes down to some very basic human things. And I think this is in some way motivated, motivated by Wellick's insecurity. He has to look down on this life uh, to justify the, the things that he's done in his life to pursue a life that's different. He has to kind of reinforce his own beliefs. And one way you can do it is just eviscerate normal people. If you're so focused on abnormal being the only thing worth pursuing, being truly extraordinary, uh, being a truly special person, then it's hard not to sometimes look down on or you, you, you almost automatically assign a negative to the opposite of that. And so that is, I think, that coming out of Wellick writ large is he's assigned a negative to things that are ordinary because he's so focused on pursuing something different. I would bet that that was probably instilled in him from a young age. And I think that's a lot of what's coming out. You're right though. The really fascinating flip side of that is Elliot's whole kind of F society plan is at least ostensibly to free people from debt. We know it's also probably in a large part motivated by Elliot's personal issues with evil corp, but ostensibly the, the good guy motive is to free these normal people from this chains or from these chains in this cycle of slavery, if you will. Uh, and the, here's Wellick just just slamming that. If he knows about what the ultimate plan is, uh, this would seem to be him saying, F you and your ultimate plan. It's not worth it. These people are terrible. My guess is he doesn't know. I don't think he would ever say this if he truly knew because this is thumbing his nose at the surface reason for the plan. And I can't believe that that, you know, Elliot would never have sold him on that version of the plan. I just don't think Wellick would have bought it. Yeah, I, and I'm just wondering if there is a more charitable read where Tyrell is totally in on that. Um, I mean, we've seen trailers. And it's for, kind of a joke. He's kind of poking fun. Like these are the people that exist in the world and we have to free them. Yeah. It's not a joke. It's more like a commentary on that guy of like, I couldn't be that. Like I couldn't live that life. I want to be extraordinary and maybe releasing this man of salad surfing duties is going to make him extraordinary. Yeah, I mean, that, that I think is where Wellick ultimately comes to by the end of this season. I do think he wants to be part of what's happening with F society because I think he describes it as like beautiful or gorgeous. He sees it in Vera-like terms by the end of the season. Uh, I don't sense that he's there when he gives this speech. I think he's in a different place. And I think it's only as he gradually slips into kind of madness and really starts falling apart, which he admits that he's doing, which we know how that ends for... Uh, unfortunately for Mrs. Knowles. Uh, we know how that ultimately uh, ends with Elliot, get Elliot and Wellick really getting closely involved in this hack. We don't know where it ultimately ends with Wellick, but I think by the end of this season, he comes to see it as an extraordinary thing that Elliot wants to do, and that by doing it, he'll be far more extraordinary than anything he could have done at Evil Corp. So more stuff that I want to dig into, unless you have more on Tyrell that you want to get into. No, I mean, I think that that's, I think that that's fascinating. I will say that, um, that the, there, there's an interesting thing that happens when Elliot enters the restroom. Uh, the sign on the door is different than when Wellick enters the restroom. What does it say? Well, it's like a handicap sign when uh -huh. Elliot enters, and it's not that sign when Wellick comes in. Uh, I don't know if this is a continuity error. The problem with a show like this is could so be a continuity tight, yeah. error, could be a continuity error, could be a little Easter egg. And so I don't know if uh, if there's anything meant to represent there, but um, I, I have a suspicion that they were filmed maybe at different times, uh, and they just got a different door in there. 
Okay, so one of the things I want to talk about is this is an episode that really, if you're, if you're building up the, the case, watching for the first time, that Mr. Robot and Elliot are the same guy, I think this episode is the first one that really tests that case. Um, you have Mr. Robot in the big scene at the end at F Society, flipping things over. Darlene seems to be talking to him. Uh, at, you know, like a different angle from Elliot, who is like perpendicular to Darlene is like, you know, she has the direct line of sight on Mr. Robot. But I think that we see that there are times where Mr. Robot hangs in the back and Elliot takes the lead. Uh, and now I think we are seeing Elliot hanging in the back and Mr. Robot taking the lead. So that's how that is explained. But there's the van. Uh, there is Mr. Robot hanging in the van and we see him in the van. Uh, and I think that it's fun that, you know, he is literally just the voice inside of Elliot's head in this episode. But I think if you're starting to build the case that there's a Tyler Durden thing going on here, I think that this is the first episode that really challenges that notion. I bet at first glance you're thinking, oh, okay, so they can't be the same guy because Mr. Robot's in the van with these two right now. He's with Mobley and Romero right now. Um, But it's a really creative choice to keep him there and to keep him just as the voice in Elliot's head. And on top of that, what does it say about Elliot's control over Mr. Robot that he is able to just keep him in the van, to just keep him in his head like that? And when he goes to a top floor at Steel Mountain where service is going to be bad, Mr. Robot's not going to be able to follow. Right. That, I think, if you go back and look at the original threads on Reddit, a lot of people cited that at, at the time as per se evidence that Mr. Robot was real. Right. That the, that the, that the audio did drop out when he went to that second level. Yeah. Uh, interesting. So great creative choice. And, and really a creative choice that they make by putting Mr. Robot, as you're saying, the voice in Elliot's head, by making that happen as literally the voice in his head. Uh, I think it's a great creative thing that's happening because you've got ultimately Elliot Alderson pretending to be Sam Siebel while Mr. Robot, who is Elliot Alderson's alter ego, uh-huh. shouting at him, telling him how to pretend to be another person. So like these fantastic things happen when you literally put him as the voice in his ear. It's amazing. Yeah, it's really awesome. It's really, uh, I had not even remembered how, how great that that would be uh, until we kind of rewatched it for this. And I thought that, oh, this is cool. You know, he's the voice in his head. He's in the van. So it's, it's an interesting choice or whatever. But I think that the way that that ultimately really plays out when you think about Elliot being in there as someone else and representing himself as someone else and Elliot's natural desires not to do the things that the dark voice in him is telling him to do, I think is also really fascinating. And then again, it's really, really fascinating, not just a creative choice, that Mr. Robot is gone when Wellick is there. Right. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. I mean, you tell me. We can speculate on it, but it's fascinating that Elliot, that the Mr. Robot headspace is not there when Wellick is there, that we don't see him in the ear. We we come up with a mechanical reason why it doesn't happen, but he's gone. I don't know if that means Elliot's too scared to devolve into this or if Elliot's kind of beta to Wellick at this point, so he's backing down. It's not that by the end of the season. Uh, It's very much not that. So, uh, and we see that it's not that, so I don't know, uh, but it is really kind of cool to think about that that is different. Do you have any, any hot takes on that? Well, I mean, Mr. Robot has, or at least will have a meeting with Tyrell. Yes. Um, we know that is at least coming up if it hasn't happened already. Like if there hasn't been some pre-series meeting that exists and maybe in this moment, Mr. Robot is of a mind thinking, 
I don't need to be here with Tyrell right now. I need to be in a place where Tyrell is underestimating me. Uh, that will get the job done faster. I don't need to be assertive alpha bro Elliot right now. Yeah, I think that you're probably right. Like he knows, he knows to go beta, uh, if only to satisfy Wellick, if right. only to let Wellick think he's that's got the, the upper exploit. hand and not right. That's exactly right. So I think that that's fascinating. I think that shows a much deeper knowledge of Tyrell Wellick than we've seen from Elliot. I think it's fascinating to think that Elliot's subconscious works this way uh, because we've seen some subconscious from him in the show. For example, when he rants to Krista about all the things that are happening, that you don't have all these choices and our heroes are all these things. And that is all in his head, that that is something that is not being expressed. It's something he's thinking about in a deep seated way, but it's not expressed to Krista. So we've seen that Elliot is motivated by this. And we even saw in the last episode, Josh, the literal demons, the things yeah. that are these unconscious things that are running in the background at all times. And somewhere there's a demon that says to Elliot, shut off the alpha, go beta, because Tyrell likes thinking that he's better than you, but he's at least interested in you, maybe like a cat and mouse kind of thing. And it'll be much better and it'll work how we want it to work if you cannot raise his suspicion by pushing back at him. I think, and I it's, think it's a really fascinating relationship that is evolving there through Elliot's subconscious mostly. Hundred percent, love that quite a bit. Uh, I'm just going through my mind a little bit about what else I want to talk about. Oh, the Law and Order joke I was going to make before was uh, there's a B.D. Wong crossover character. Ah, yes, good point. <laughs> Very well done. Yes, just to tie BD, it back to that. B.D. White Rose would show up, or I forget what his character's name is on on Law and Order SVU. He's the therapist. He would, I forget the name yes, too. He would show up and give a very clinical report on yes. something that happened about time. Yes. Yeah. This yeah. this person is so obsessed with time. It yes. speaks to some kind of psychosis. Yeah, no. Yes. Uh, but anything else from the episode that really jumps out at you? Well, the only other thing that I laughed at kind of watching this, because I'm just, uh, I'm fascinated by the, you know, the am I as malware of it all. Uh, and basically Elliot and, and Wellick's relationship. When Wellick says... Like, we're all human except me, of course. And then he says, I'm joking. You know, the question is, like, what part was he joking about? That, that, that he was pushing at Elliot about revenge, and I know you killed Colby, that I'm not human. Like, where was the really funny joke I missed in all that? Because it, he, he's called himself a cold robot before. Yeah. He's like, you know, we've talked about him being kind of a Terminator. Like, I don't think the show would go kind of hard sci-fi like that. But I think it's really interesting that he thinks he was joking about something. There. Well, how about this? I mean, I and I haven't done like deep dives into interviews with Sam Esmail or anything like that. But is there anything to the idea of there is a major reveal in season one that Mr. Robot and Elliot are the same dude? Is there anything to this idea that they're stringing along a red herring for the Reddit type people? that Tyrell keeps making these comments about being robotic and being mechanical and being inhuman. And are people supposed to be following that thread down an incorrect rabbit hole to kind of throw you off of the illusion, uh, the prestige reveal that Mr. Robot and Elliot are the same guy? Yeah, it's entirely possible. I think that, that what's really feeding it at this point is the fact that Tyrell is missing at the end of the season and that a lot of the season two promo materials have centered around Tyrell Wellick that we've talked about. Uh, for example, in the promos, as we said earlier, they make great use of the zeitgeist. We've got President Obama saying Tyrell Wellick did the hack. Right. Uh, in other videos they've released, we've seen wanted posters for Tyrell Wellick or, or kind of his wanted kind of for crimes poster with his height and weight 
great and all of it. Uh, so we know Wellick's been kind of set up as the patsy for this, it seems like. And so the question becomes like, where did this all originate? And there is more to uncover with Wellick, that's for sure. Joanna Wellick also really feeds this by the end of the season. Uh, and so it, it, he's a character that they're already putting a big bow on and saying, go back and watch everything about this guy and go back and watch all of his interactions with Elliot because it's going to lead into season two unquestionably. Uh, and so I think that that feeds it as well. The fact that Wellick is a mysterious guy by the end of season one to begin with. Uh, and so we're looking for explanations. We're looking for things about Wellick uh, as a result of that. So the next episode we are getting into Fernando Vera territory and our final ride with poor Miss Shayla. Yeah, Veruswela. It's terrible. Um, uh, so, yeah, this so is so tough. N- this is not good. Uh, this is not good with Shayla. And we'll talk about uh, how that that sense of dread uh, really permeates on a rewatch and really is augmented by a lot of things that were sneakily happening in the episode, whether it's comments or camera shots that linger uh, that are are hard to see the first time through. So that'll be really rewarding on a rewatch is to see at what point do they make clear that this is what the fate is going to be. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to talking that through with you a little bit because I love this show. I adore this show i think the show is so smart and nuanced and creative and but, and all of this but does it get a little tropey with the shayla and the trunk and like does it does it get a little fridgy with with that kind of territory and i and i just want to talk that through with you a little bit and i want i want to know what your take is on everything so i've been interested to get to that section because i think it's you know i think that there's a great argument that without this happening Elliot isn't able to get into a place for the rest of the season to happen. But is that such a great thing? Is that that this has to be the creative trigger that you have to kill Shayla off in this kind of tropey way? Uh, Is that, you know, Mr. Robot at its best or is that a little bit of a weak thread in the season? And I don't have a great answer to it yet. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk about that because I think there is a discussion to be had for sure. It is a very big thing that happens. It's presented in a very big kind of emotional impact kind of way. It's a great it, scene. I mean, you know, just it's the way a great that it's scene. shot. Yeah. It's a moment where when I've told, told people to watch the show, I think maybe even you, um, when, when I had seen it and you hadn't, I think, you know, you texted me. I know someone, a couple other people have texted me like, I definitely oh my, did. Yes. Oh my God. They got, they killed Shayla. Like that just happened. Right. Yeah. yeah it's like, a it's big a surprise. Thing. It's a thing. Yeah. And like, so, like I said, I think it's a it's a huge turn for the season. And I just sometimes I wonder, is it a turn for the right reasons? Yeah, I think and we'll, we'll, I'm looking forward to talking to you uh, or talking with you about that, uh, because that that ultimately is a, is a very fair question, I think. And I think it's a question that is enhanced by rewatch, not only of the episode, but of the series. Uh, and I think we'll have a lot to talk about with cool. that. The only other thing uh, before we end here, I did think it was really nice how they uh, planted the seeds for what comes with White Rose and the Dark Army, not even in episode six, but I believe in episode seven, uh-huh. uh, where where Cisco basically says, Turtle basically says, uh, tell me why, you know, they pulled out. I don't even know why. And we do know why. We talked about this in previous spoiler sections that Angela executing the hack gave the Dark Army the back door into all safe, which gave them knowledge that this hack to execute it at this time would be taking advantage of an exploit that is actually a honeypot and would ultimately have been traceable and would have been problematic. Yeah. And so they knew about it. They backed out. That's what the comment is in reference to. The parable or the phrase about... 
took a thousand years to build it and it was ruined in one or whatever is about trust. Uh, that is ultimately what that parable is about. Uh, and it's the trust that was violated. They trusted that the F society group was taking care of business and protecting them on the backside of this hack that they had planned together. When they got a little of their own independent insurance and looked into it, they realized that they weren't. And that's why they pulled out. Okay. All right. So we'll get into all of that stuff uh, in the coming episodes. Looking forward to that. We'll get into the Fernando Barrera stuff in oh, next week. In episode six, going to be an intense discussion for sure. He's a um, brave traveler, Josh. A uh, brave traveler. You know, I'm coming around on him as a character, at least, especially because I feel like, uh, as you love to say, I feel like they're planting a flag here. I think that they're dropping a Joker, or at least if not a Joker, because I think Mr. Robot's got to be the Joker to Elliot's Batman. But I think that they're dropping a rogue, you know, it's like one yeah, of Batman's Riddler, maybe. rogues, you know, a Riddler or a Two-Face or whatever you want to call it. Or maybe Elliot and Mr. Robot are two. Ah, we don't need to go down the Batman Killer robot. Croc. Yeah. <laughs> but, Mr. But I, Mitzelplick. Know, right, Mr. Mitzelplicks. Yeah, there's definitely, you know, there's definitely a, a supervillain quality to this character, a real kind yes. of primary antagonistic role that you got to imagine is going to pay off in the future. So... We'll talk. I have a, I have a, I have a couple of hot takes about that. So awesome. it's something, cool. to, something to definitely uh, look forward to for next episode. Great, great, great. So I'm looking forward to that. I think we'll get you guys that next episode sooner than certainly we've been doing. We're going to try and make up some ground here with this turn from five into six into seven. We're going to try and get all of that to you within a week's time. So keep your eyes and ears out for that. Again, subscribe to what we're doing. Postshowrecaps.com slash MRRobot iTunes. Follow Antonio on Twitter. He's at AC Mazzaro 2 Z's one I'm at Round Howard. Uh, that's it. Anything else? No. All right. Goodbye, friends. Goodbye, friends. <laughs>